Hello and welcome to You Set the Tone, the podcast that takes an X-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show with surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sean. My name is Ed. And I'm Sharon. And today on the show, we are talking about season two, episode five, and Baby Makes Two. So, this was a hoot of an episode. So much happens this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a packed. good episode. It's really, really good. We have mm. no genie this week, but plenty to do with Benton. So there's a good yeah. bit of Benton in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of Carter. We have Yay. Lucy Alexis Lou is back. Even though that's a bit of a sad storyline this week. Yeah. Oh no. We have what seems to be cracks in the Mark and Doug friendship. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And no and no Shep, which is my yay. Oh, thank God. No Shep. I, yeah, Shep is Shep is a small doses guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I'm okay with them, uh, but mm, yeah. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. mm. Do you know who we also don't have this week? Weaver. Weaver. We don't have Weaver and we get cake. I mean, we like, do. this is amazing. Hello. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. <laughs> well, like, you know, by the we end are. of it, we got into time there. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun in the together. edit. Yeah, I was going to say, splice it together, we'll sound amazing. We won't sound amazing because we're dog shit singers. We're terrible singers. Terrible. But, uh, Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. straight in the heart there, Ed, but okay. Um, <laughs> there goes my career. <laughs> Fine. Um, yes, a brilliant, brilliant episode. So we open um, in Ross's apartment. Green is still staying there. And as you say, later we're going to see kind of some friction between these two. But at this moment, they seem quite happy and they're getting on and Doug's been out and got him bagels. You know, he seems like a perfect roommate at this point. What could go wrong? <laughs> Um, and also the other thing I just I, I did find that Green was a little bit I don't know he's a bit he's kind of interrogating Doug about oh I heard a woman's voice and it's like I don't know is he being a bit judgy at this point a bit like I think you know. because yeah it wasn't the last scene of uh, Holda was there and um, no she's gone out of my head again Andrea Parker Linda. thank yeah. you very much um, can I get points because I remembered the actor's name as opposed to the character. I didn't realise this was a competitive quiz, but it, it is now. So yeah, you've got a point. Yeah, well done. Everything is competition. <laughs> Everything. Oh God, um, so yeah, so Mark is there basically trying to keep count, I guess. And you're right, <laughs> it is, there is a bit of judginess going on here. Yeah. I felt a bit like, oh, come on, Green, just leave him alone. You know what Doug is. And Doug's not married. Leave him alone. Let's yeah. not slut shame. Exactly. Himbo shame the dog. Yeah. yeah. No. And then when we cut back to the ER, um, we have obviously everybody celebrating, as we say, that everything's lighter, everybody's in a really good mood. We're trying to figure out why. Turns out it's because Weaver's not here, which, oh gosh, I hope that's not what happens when I'm not at work <laughs> of a day. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, well, it, it felt like I I very much work on my own. So when I'm not in, if they're having a cake, something's weird is going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is, yeah. I mean, like, it's at the same time, it's mean, yeah, and it's also, well, she hasn't really done herself many favors. Even though I am liking her, I am liking mm-hmm. her, but yeah, yeah. We can understand it, yeah. Mm. 
Mm. Definitely. Um, um, although, and, and this yeah. one thing we said just before coming on the air, absolute kudos to that baker for yes. turning around that cake that quickly. Mm. He had several ready to go. They, he, you know, <laughs> she's worked in Mount Sinai Hospital. Mount Sinai had a standing order for Nico Weaver. Oh, it's going to County General now. That's fine. I'll, yeah. I'll courier. I'll just over. change it. Yeah, change <laughs> the address. <laughs> he, he's got a rotor on the on the wall of the bakery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wherever, wherever she's not working, he just you yeah. know zips off the, the guy in the moped with a big cake. Exactly. <laughs> and it <laughs> did look delicious. It does look delicious. Yeah, poor poor Green doesn't huge. get huge. Yeah. <laughs> huge. Poor Green doesn't get any because yeah. they feel he's going to judge. And given the first, uh, you know, scene, maybe he, that's the correct the correct thing to do. Well, that's true. That's two examples in this episode of Mark not getting any. <laughs> hey! <laughs> You're so pleased with yourself. I'm giving you a point. <laughs> I'm really delighted for that one. I'm not going to lie. And Sharon, I'm delighted for the setup as well. That was, oh, okay. that was very much Sharon a teamwork one there. Oh, good. Yeah. I get a point. Thank you. Um, some point for Baker thing. <laughs> I have to say though I, I absolutely love the next scene it's it, Carter's talking to Harper and he's kind of showing off because Benton has obviously we know he's been injured so he's not able to do as much so Carter's being able to do it and he does this brilliant impression of, of Benton you know he's like this is how he, ha- he stands and he does the arm fold and the, and the kind of you know the, the face and all of a sudden the curtain pulls back in that, that way and, and it's Benton and Harper's trying to make a face oh Carter doesn't care. He's too busy enjoying showing yeah. off. And then he gets punished by having to do a foreign body extraction of a torch oh. from somebody who said that they fell on it while changing the fuse <laughs> naked. I don't know how you guys change fuses in your house. This is not how we change them in mine. See, do you know what the, the, the thing that stuck out the most for me? Stuck out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another point. It didn't. It was right in there. Sorry. Uh, but the the foreign object went in at the widest end first Oof. and that to me is it any bloody wonder it got stuck i know it's um yeah ah. i'm sure any doctor nurse who listens to us must have several foreign body stories and you can keep them i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't want to hear them Thanks. It's, it's all right yeah, and, and it comes up a few times in the ER. I think, uh, you know, yeah. that, that there are a few different times where somebody's come in with quite a suspect thing. But this, you know, this one's a punishment for Carter for, for being mean about Benton. Yeah. Which, good on him. Good it on does Benton. Get, it does set him up for a fantastic gag, though, oh, later on in the episode. so good. Yeah, That's yeah. so true. It's so good. <laughs> um, but actually, uh, so Carter is, um, obviously, he's just being Carter. It's what he is. He's excited with all these different uh, procedures and everything. And in the beginning, it gets him in trouble with Benton, obviously, yeah. because but it actually takes a little bit more of a serious turn it toward does. the end. Now, I might have discussed it just yet, but just, it's something that most definitely, there is a through line here with Carter and his excitement mm-hmm. about the procedure as opposed to the whole picture. Yeah, yes. yeah, and it, it, it's this thing we're seeing from Carter every so often. He kind of gets a bit big, and it, a lot of it's to do with kind of impressing Harper at this moment. But you know, he gets that peacock strut on, and he's kind of like, "Yeah, look at me," and then he gets kind of brought back down. And I'm glad he does because I don't like the strut because 
the thing mm. for me about Carter is he's this pure innocent who really just wants to be there to help but he's he's really getting kind of embroiled in all of that like look at me look what I've done I'm amazing yeah look how good I yeah. am yeah you're just a wee babby still so maybe chill out yeah um, and we learn that Bent has been relegated to the R and he's not happy he's had to talk to a patient's mother for 20 minutes and green in his a horror poor patient's mother um and and then we hear green kind of say you know well i'll give you a chance to work on your bedside manner and i'm like oh green yeah. i love that <laughs> yeah, yeah. foolish foolish green um yeah and i get so for, for all of the laughing and the smiling and the joking that we've been doing at the start of this episode benton so he he takes the splint off which he shouldn't do because he's just getting yeah. impatient and that's typical Benton um, and his first pa- like his first big patient of the episode is a woman who's incredibly injured yeah. but it's more than that she's had the absolute stuffing knocked out of her yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no question as to like who it was um, and I mean this is this is kind of a new low for Benton really in the beginning yeah yeah, yeah. I, I know I was comparing it in my head to the last episode of season one when he was so sweet with that chap who's dying of age, you know, end stage yeah. HIV. And yeah. he thought, oh, maybe he's turned a corner. And he's, he's picked up from, as we've said before, he's picked up from Carter the, the value and the necessity of, of building a bond with a patient potentially. But this time he's like, it, it, yeah, it was, it was grim to watch, wasn't it? Mm, it was, it was. just the. But I have to say, I think it might be quite reflective of its time and even still a bit now. But, you know, there's this sense that you, people say to people who get beaten, why haven't you left? Well, if you're not going to leave, I wash my hands of you because I can't do anything. And, and that people get mad at people in domestic violence cases because for them, it's very easy to think you can just get up and leave. You don't see all that kind of coercion. And we're starting mm-hmm. to really understand about what that behaviour and that coercion and and how things affect people who suffer from domestic violence so i think that it's probably also i think i took it as this is how people were back then you know well you know she knows it was her husband she withdrew the thing there's not much more we can do um you know so i i kind of understood where he'd come from not that i accept it but i was like yeah. this is yeah. probably very much of the time it's he's very because sometimes we forget this in in the way that we go through the show and they're they're all their characters to us we see their stories week by week by week we yeah. forget that a lot of these they are in a position of authority and they are in a position of power so mm. advice from a doctor is usually taken with absolute sincerity and you know with the gravitas that the you know the position holds and for Hale to say to Peter like will you please go and talk to mm. her yeah it's it's more than just hey be a decent person and go and talk to her it's also, you might be able to do something here. You might be able to make a difference. Yeah, you might be the one who finally convinces her. And I, I have to say, the scene between the social worker and Benton especially got me. So, yeah. you know, Benton's obviously refused to talk to this the lady suffering. This is Mazovic, um, Mazovic, sorry. And um, he's just like, I'm not going to talk to the social worker. He says, call a social worker. The social worker comes yeah. down. 
And he, she comes over to him and says, oh, you know, you didn't, you didn't write about the defensive wounds, that she had no defensive wounds. And he's like, well, I don't, why should I? And it turns out that because that's a sign, and it is so grim, that's a sign that she's given up and she'll probably end up being dead soon. And, and I just... I mean, the gravity of, of domestic violence yeah. and how it can end up. I mean, in this uh, in the UK alone, two women a week die at the hands of their partner or ex-partners. You know, this is a real big issue. And I'm not saying just women are affected. I'm saying women are mostly affected, you know. And I just, I, again, I really love that ER took this on. And that yeah. ER showed a side of, of kind of these institutions that did used to fail women didn't know how to deal with domestic violence didn't know how to deal with these issues um but when i heard that from the social worker i was like oh there's a gut punch wasn't it there are two gut punches in this for me and that's the mm. first one that one was <coughs> and that's when he i think he starts to really take it seriously after he hears that yeah yeah and he, he does play a blind later and i don't want to like get ahead of ourselves but he yeah. he does i i agree that there is um there, without no, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Help me out here, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not that he comes out better at the end, which he kind of does. Mm. It, there, I, I'd say it's an even Stevens' argument for too little, too late, but also he did finally step up to the plate. So yeah. I will say that yeah. that is even Stephen, right? Um, but. I don't know. I'm not massively satisfied with how this storyline plays out in this oh, episode. No. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an imperfect resolution, it, it, isn't it? It's it's not nicely tied up with a bow when everybody goes home singing Kumbaya. Yeah. It ends like, in a brutal way. It does, but but oh, like like it does very much in this episode, you're right. It, it does. It ends in a, in a brutal way. And there is most certainly a part of us who will be like good i'm yeah, glad yeah. but did, did either of you feel as well as like all you've really done is hit pause yeah. yeah 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 so i mean i think it's okay i think we can kind of bring it up so we see benton benton uh, Hale says to benton all the police officers here uh benton goes in to talk to the police officer and he starts by saying you know look at what's happened to this woman we then realize that the police officer is actually this woman's husband and he's actually the perpetrator um, and Benton has this this powerful line where he kind of says, what do you think when you beat her? What goes through yeah. your mind? You feel like a big man. Um, and then later he does talk to a policeman and he, he's very accusatory to the policeman. He says, you know, you, do you guys ignore this on purpose? You know, yeah. is it because he's a, he's a cop? And then later we see uh, somebody comes in, he's very beaten and battered. We later emerge as it, it, it's Mr. Maskovic, the, um, the cop, the guy who actually... Um, the domestic violent guy and the guy who brings him in is the cop that Benton spoke to and it transpires you can tell that obviously they don't explicitly say it but you know that the cop has arranged for this beating to happen has probably also partaken mm. so we have a very beaten man and as you say it's not satisfying at all because I'm not an eye for an eye kind of person I don't I, that's not how I see things I, I feel like there are different ways and I would have much preferred if he'd been arrested and prosecuted and the woman could be safe. Mm, I mean, exactly. what, Get her what away. does that beating yeah. do, you know? You're no better in my yes. in my brain. It's, yeah, you can, and like, I will definitely say, I completely and utterly understand the, you know, the anger, potentially, you know, this is another cop, so there's a pride element behind it as well, I feel. Yeah. 
Um, but you do certainly get the feeling from that cop, the the per- not the perpetrator, not Mr. Mankovic, but you know, yeah. the Batman cop, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, you do kind of get that he has a kind of a grim, that's sorted now. Yes. Like, yeah. But it's not. And I don't like the idea of the justice that what he thinks is justice. What else is he doing out there? You know, it, it mm. kind of looks into, and with everything we, we, you know, the conversations we're having this year, especially around policing and police, it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable, you know, moment to look at the corruption and people just behaving how they want to and being vigilant, you know, de- dealing out their own version of justice. There's no moral high ground to it. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, as we said already, and you know, belaboring the point that violence begets violence, and as you say, what's going to stop once uh, Officer Markovic, Mankovic, Maskovic, <laughs> Maskovic, yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Once he recovers, what's to stop him taking out taking it out on his wife again? It's exactly. Yeah, yeah you can see the logic. Look yeah. what happened to me because of you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a re- it is a really tough story this one, but um, again, it just it's the the credits the writers for not giving it a nice sweet. And we've got her in a refuge, and she's going to take yeah. her kids or whatever. It's it is it's a brutal one, and it's, yeah. sometimes life is a bit messy and brutal. And but what is good about it is that they do show Benton does not approve. You know, yeah, when yeah, you definitely. can see he's realizing on his face, and he's looking at the guy. And he's shocked and he's not like, yeah, good on you, mate. You know, he's like, no, this is not the right way. Yeah. Yeah, because I, when I was watching it, I did, I, I did think for a second, it's like, there's going to be like a, a smile between them or, you know, something like a, you know, a nod mm. even. And there isn't, he looks no. properly shot. But I mean, as soon as he sees who it is on the gurney, yeah. I mean, he knows, yeah. he knows yeah. straight away. Um, and yeah, it's, it was, I did like Peter's side of this arc in this episode. Yeah. But yeah, un- unfortunately, as, and as you've both said, Ed, you said this as well, as these things often do not end up with a nice resolution. Yeah. 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 This guy's going to be in, you know, bed four for a couple of days and then yeah. he's back, back home again. My only hope is that he, he goes he's away from his wife because he has to recover in hospital and sometimes what people really need is that break away from that partner yeah. to really be able to feel strong again or feel they're able mm. to get away and that yeah i'm gonna say it this is what happens i've decided he's in hospital she's out of hospital she gathers her stuff up and gets the hell out of there and as far yeah. away from chicago as possible and manages to then go and live a completely happy successful life somewhere else where she helps other women who go through domestic violence and tries to get them to get out of their you know relationships what do you guys nice. think yeah. head cannon Hey, yeah. Canon, definitely she's in california <laughs> or florida no not florida <laughs> san fran or somewhere nice and yeah. chill or like new mexico or something like that or santa yeah. fe and, just... and she does pottery and yeah, oh, yeah. And that. yeah. i love it yeah that's what we decided <laughs> Head Canon, there we go thank you Boom. <laughs> <Done>. brilliant <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned Lucy Lou. So yeah, her character's back. Um, so Che Che's come back in. He's not very well. You know, Doug is taken on his that he's the appointed kind of physician on all of this. Mm. Um, and it, it, this is a really sad storyline. He comes in and he's really quite sick, and they have to do an LP, which is the uh, Lev 
well, I can't remember it's the lumbar name. puncture, isn't it? Lumbar puncture, puncture yeah. thank you. It is and a that very, lonely, very unpleasant. Oh, it procedure. looks hideous. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they drilled. They drill into the spine to get the fluid out. Is that what that's, that is? It's, yeah, that's it exactly. It's all about um, you, it, something in the spinal fluid that that's what they need to test. Mm. And through a, a hor- the poor Chichi has a horrific episode because yeah. he goes in and they do this lumbar puncture mm. and uh, Harper is assisting Doug on this. And, you know, he struggles, he cries because you would. I mean, yeah, you know, grown-ups will not be happy with yes. this either. The only difference being they know why it's being done. Yeah. yeah. And the bloody lab forgets to do one test. That's They've run out what... of India ink, haven't they? Yeah, it's... and it just oh, shocked me. I was yeah, just like, yeah. that should have been the number one thing you yeah. were doing. Um. But also, this the the second gut punch line is around this storyline for me. It's when Che Che's like struggling because they're having to do this on him, and then he just stops and she says, "Oh, he's he's Harper says, oh, he's he's relaxed," and and um, Doug says, "No, he's just giving himself. He surrendered, surrendered to it, yeah. and that's <sighs> it." I was like, "Oh God, a little child should not have to surrender to anything like that." It just. Yeah. It's just so, so sad. But yeah, sorry, as you say, they they have to redo it because the lab don't have enough, have whatever it is they need to do it. So he has to go through it again. Mm. Yeah, it's the India ink, which I guess must stain um, certain, remembering my A-level biology, which is many years ago, um, <laughs> certain stains are, um, are sucked in by certain types of cells and things like that. So. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, um, and the microscopy reveals that uh, Royal Cheer has got uh, cryptococcal meningitis, Oof. which sounds not fun. Um, no. and basically, basically, it's like that's it. That's the last few days of his life. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. brutal, which is really sad to watch. And yeah, yeah. And then Doug comes up with this this idea, doesn't he? He's got a, he's got a plan to how to kind of give, and I see where he's coming from. You know, Absolutely. he wants to give Mason a few more days, you know, whatever he can. But the downside is that he will have to go through this procedure again and again. Twice a day for 10 days. And even then there's no guarantee. And as we discover, it's not even that there's no guarantee. It's that he's been through something similar and it didn't work, which means there's a very strong possibility it won't work again. So like you have to ask the question, is the cure worse? Well, it's not a cure, but is the treatment worse than the the symptoms? Yeah. And yeah. it seems absolutely that yes is the answer to that. I agree. It's it's really tough to kind of watch Doug push this, and I see he's he's missed. I want to have a solution. I want to save it. More time is better, but he just doesn't seem to be able to understand or see the you know that that's probably not the best treatment. Yeah, it's um, it, Green is the grown up in the room about this, isn't he? He's yeah. uh, he is, and it's it's it is it's unfair how Doug speaks to him, but yeah. it's 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 two completely like on the surface, it's two completely opposing opinions. Yeah, they're, I mean, arguably there is a case for what Doug is saying. Like he is not, it's not a hundred percent that it won't work. Ergo, yeah. if it's even one percent, well. Shouldn't it be worth trying? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So there is an argument for that. Mm-hmm. But it's again, it's kind of wood for the trees. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not going to cure the AIDS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of cancer patients kind of terminal. They, they get a decision, don't they, normally towards the end where they kind of go, look, we can prolong you for a few months, but you'll be unconscious or you'll be really sick or, or you can stop treatment, have less time, but you'll be yourself, you'll be clear headed. And I think that's probably the, you know, that's kind of a similar thing here. It's, it's, it's that choice and and green takes you know i i think it's really tough for green because he tries to talk to doug and doug just doesn't you know doug's got his idea that's the only idea nobody else knows what they're talking about nobody else should deal with his patients um so green does go behind his back to talk to mason and but i'm like well it's for the best for the child so i kind of accept that mm. and i I did feel a bit more on his side than I did Doug's in this, even though I'm not normally into people going behind someone else's back. Um, but he did try to talk to him. Yeah, yeah it's uh, Doug playing the hero again, isn't he? He's trying to be the saviour, yeah. which is just sort of speaks to his lack of maturity or whatever. But um, that's why I, I thought Green was actually... I, I did have a question. Do you think Green did the right thing in the long run? Or... I do. I feel like she wasn't given all the options to make the informed decision. And I think he was able to do that. And that's why I would say yes, for me. Yeah, Yeah. I think I'm with you. It's maybe not handled in the most fantastic manner, but it's the right thing to do for the kid. I think it's really hard. Yeah, I think it's really hard to handle Doug in the right way. It it seems if you'd go against him. (laughs) Oh, God. So didn't sorry. say a word didn't say a word <laughs> you should have seen all their faces honestly i've worked with gutter people gutter folk <laughs> sorry <laughs> my point is I, I if you need if you're going to go against doug how do you do it because I, it, as soon as you um sorry i'm distracted because they're both mouthing at each other that they're not sorry um <laughs> how do you go about trying to get Doug to see from another point of view because he never does. Yeah. So I, I, there just doesn't seem to be a good way to, to, to deal with him, which I think is one of this, one of his biggest flaws. I yeah. think Doug is, you kind of, you would have to manipulate him. You would have to get him to somehow think it was his idea. Yeah. Stroke uh, his ego sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If, if Mark had the time, because obviously they're in an ER, they don't usually have the time for this kind of thing, but let's say he had the time and the wherewithal to get Doug around to saying, well, I wonder if we just shouldn't, then yeah. Doug would be his best friend and it'll all be right and everything. Mm. But, and Mark is clever in that he doesn't pull rank, even though he could. Yeah, that's you true. You know, he is quite literally, he is Doug's boss, but I know they mm. don't treat it like that, but they he is. So, you know, he could just not so much overrule his medical advice because he doesn't overrule Doug he just gives a clearer picture to Mason yeah that's true he doesn't say let's take this off the table or start treatment behind her his back he just yeah. offers her that extra information which you know I think is is good good of him good doctor being good doctoring Mr now, Green question to you both yes how would you feel if Weaver had done that oh Exact same situation, word for word, exactly the same conversation with Mason. 
two things i think number one i i really feel i would i would be on this her side too because with weaver i always try to look at her actions but number two i just don't think weaver would ever handle it that way weaver would never i don't see her being as gentle with doug as green is you think she'd do something like just send them home and not tell doug or possibly or do it in front of doug because she does have form on on saying stuff in front of doctors which is yeah. a bit, bit poop but um yeah. i think I, I would have liked to see uh kerry having that conversation with mason that yeah. would be interesting um because we know weaver okay maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves or or whatever but she, you know she's actually really good with patience she is despite her kind of yeah cold and awkward exterior with a co- with her co-workers sometimes she's actually great with patients and we've seen yeah that. yeah that's very true um i'd be interesting to see that if only if only if only yeah we'll get laura's on the phone she'll, she'll be fine reshooting that she Excellent. loves it yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah cool and all the all the way kind of through this this uh harper's been by doug's side you know he mm. she's kind of been given to him kind of he needs help she's free green says take her doug's not happy about it but then I think, you know, they form quite a bit of a bond, don't they, throughout mm. this? You know, she she spends a day seeing what paediatrics is like and she says to him, you know, I thought it would be a lot happier than this. I didn't realise how sad it would be. And and you can, you know, she, she's really troubled when they have to do the LP and then she's really, then she, but she's also, she's learning a lot from Doug. You know, Doug shows her in the microscope and he's talking her through everything and he, he allows her to kind of be a, real player in the game and at the end when it doesn't go their way you know they're both kind of left aren't they sitting together trying to and he's trying to comfort her and Mm. it it was an interesting um it was interesting to see that because we haven't really seen Doug with teaching in that Mm. way he doesn't want to he says he doesn't want to babysit yeah and and he isn't a good babysitter I, he doesn't because he doesn't treat her like a student, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. But by the end of it, you get this feeling that oh, we've been through the trenches together, and that in itself is fine. But I don't know. I think it's. I didn't have a very positive opinion of Doug coming out at the end of this episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, because nice finest moment. It's not. It's not. And. She is an adult, but she is still a student. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't teach her best practice. He didn't, because he didn't lay out the different options. He went with his option only, you know, and that to me is not the best way to teach, is it? No, it's not. No. Um, No. But... uh... But yeah, and all, and I suppose pour out to, to stay on pour out. God, this is an awfully grim episode. But to stay <laughs> we'll, we'll on, turn around. I've got. Don't worry. Oh, good, oh. good. And it's got something. Um, so Harper and Carter, who have yeah. been sort of somewhat dating, kissing, seeing each other. Yes, Ed did the uh, the wonderful the finger toward the enclosed fist Sorry, uh, symbol I'm there. To folk. Friday, I'm just chilling. Well, TGIF, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is where Carter's I'm so excited about all these procedures I get to do absolutely gets her just at the wrong moment. Yes. Um, because she is, she's not broken but she's certainly bruised after mm. her day 
in pediatrics because yeah. hey, day one, what did you do? Oh, kid with end stage AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. And and actually I like it when she takes him to task because that's what Carter needs when he does this and mm. she's not afraid to do that. And what I like about that is it shows that even though she is the med student, you know, she still isn't afraid of kind of saying what she feels and, and, and like bringing him to task and making him see that he's wrong. And, you know, because some, somebody, somebody else, me potentially, might be like, oh overwhelmed and like I can't say anything to Carter because you know he's of a higher rank and all that stuff so um I'm just gonna say that I I really liked when she kind of yeah. pulled him up on that I kind of so yeah carry on I was gonna say yeah and, and it, it's like it's so short the way she speaks to him as well he's yeah, yeah. delighted that you know he gets to do a biopsy now yeah. or, or he's done you know it's great and then she goes oh a man has cancer but you get to do a biopsy so that's great and she yeah. just walks away and he's just like okie dokie and I don't think he gets it no. no I don't think he really gets I think like he hears her but I don't yeah. think he really hears what she's saying I think he spent so long now with kind of Benton and, and the surgeons that he's starting to to think like them and losing that kind of it's about the patient and it's about these humans. He's gone into procedure, procedure, procedure mode yeah. by this point. Bad Carter. We don't Bad know Carter. Terrible Carter. Awful Carter. How dare you? You're going too far. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we could pivot because I want to talk about one of my favourite characters in this right now is Loretta. She's oh, brilliant. Loretta's sweet. So good. She is she, sweet. So she's coming. As we know, she's a sex worker, but he's very comfortable with it. The rest of the staff at the ER understand that she comes through some occupational hazards mm-hmm. yeah. and she's she's uh, injured her back. Yeah. <clears throat> she's wearing an interesting, quite revealing outfit. Which yeah. All power to her. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out she's got a job interview um, for a proper job, which her social worker put it to, so, you know, uh, put it forward for. So clearly Loretta's got some care going on that yeah. she's working towards changing her life because yeah. uh, she wants to. Yeah. And uh, Lydia looks after her and it's just such a sweet moment when yeah. they take her through and there's all, <laughs> we said, I think she says, oh, these are in nice clothes. Yeah, we have a lot of rich dead people. <laughs> <laughs> just point out though a few weeks ago or maybe it was uh, I can't remember when but um Randy remember dressed little Susie in a completely different outfit this episode offers two different things two different ideas on how that happened and the first is what um Sean had said about you know a dead baby so as soon as that had happened I was like oh my god name and shame Sean was talking (laughs) about dead babies (laughs) okay name and shame people know you for your what you like to discuss um <laughs> so and yeah let me just take I, this opportunity to say we are delighted for our audience and thank you very much for joining us on you said the coming part. um uh, but yeah you know i just thought wow sean might have been right he might have had a had a you know for once in his life why is sean might have been right always prefaced with wow <laughs> don't worry it's not just here it's not just here yeah wow oh, sean okay. might have been right okie dokie it's because you're so smart and intelligent that sometimes we just need to bring it down a peg or two because we're jealous and small people. Yeah, we're just being a harper to you, your Carter, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which keep you honest. And I'm back on form again. I know, there's that brilliant moment where Lydia says she finds an, a lovely white blouse, turns it around, there's a great big stab <laughs> wound or whatever in the back and there's yeah. blood everywhere. Yeah, oh. that person got stabbed in the back. 
basically. Um, but no, she comes out wearing a suit and she looks, you know, for the 90s looks really good. Yeah, it's a proper uh, 90s kind of power suit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that definitely. kind of long length. <laughs> yeah. And uh, later on, we find out she, she goes to the interview. She gets the job. Lydia's absolutely made up for her, yeah. as we are, because we like Loretta. Yeah. We love Loretta. Yep. yep. And, uh, so, you know, there's some pretty um, <clears throat> stiff competition, but Lydia, uh, Loretta manages to win through by, uh, well, Casting couch, I don't think that's the right term, but... Using her professional expertise. <laughs> yeah. Bringing her skills to the interview, which I yeah, think, exactly. you know, we all have she to did bring her skills to the interview. Room. Yeah, she just practiced, she, she showed her skills in practice. Yeah. And was able to secure the role. Exactly. That's really good. It's like when we mention the podcast in interviews and stuff. Exactly. But, you know, we don't do a podcast there and then, that's the only difference. <laughs> But speak for yourself. I'm doing my right best now. to do this some marketing, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just want to pick out how how much I really like Loretta as a character and as a whole. That we don't get many scenes with her, but she's sketched out so efficiently that we know yeah. enough about her. We know that she's a sex worker. She's got a, a very dry sense of humour. She knows exactly who she is. She's got kids. Yeah. She's working. Do you know what I mean? We get this through absolutely maybe 10 15 lines of dialogue in total for loretta to this yeah. point um it's something i bang on about and i bang on banged on about with sean's podcast about economy of writing where you just need a few lines to say yeah. a lot yes and, like and really draw loretta. that character and exactly. and and I, I also really love how because it's always green and lydia who seem to look after her and i really love the yeah. way that they do that and they really care about her and there's no judgment it's just you know, oh, hi, Loretta, come on then, you know, let's let's look yeah, after yeah. you. And I really love that relationship too. I think that's really nice. Yeah, yeah so that's a high point for Loretta. That's got us back out of the, the doldrums of domestic Ray. violence and other such I've things. got some comic relief as well. Or shall I bring yeah. that Shall I bring that a bit later? Maybe no, no, I think we need it. We need, okay. Keep going, yeah, keep yeah. going, yeah, yeah. So, so we get introduced to a new character called E. Ray, who is a <laughs> nurse, nurse practitioner. He's, he's a nurse trainee, sorry. Um... And he's quite a colourful character. Again, we don't we don't have a lot. Literally, from, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love the tie dye. Definitely loves the tie dye. Um, and he kind of we learn more about him. We find out he's in a midlife transition, as he calls it. And before that, he's he's transitioned before he likes to tell people that he was once a UPS delivery man. He's been a short order cook and a rodeo clown. So you, this is some one of those people that I, you meet in life who've just kind of done everything you yeah, know, yeah. And, and have tried everything at some point so he comes in he's trying now his new latest idea is to be a nurse because he's very nurturing and caring um, he was part of something called the movement people the human, human potential, potential movement, movement yeah, yeah. which to me sounded like conning people out of lots of money <laughs> while you gave them cliches about life but you know yeah. <laughs> um all you had to do was encourage two other people to also <laughs> change and then they had to encourage two other people each and it's brilliant yeah it's brilliant. kind of like a triangle kind of scheme isn't yeah, it it's funny that, a cone. Isn't it? a cone. Yeah. yeah cone some kind of yeah, yeah. some kind of no, triangle money should flow egypt. down why am i thinking <laughs> of egypt yeah. no idea um so yeah he comes along so we I, we already get the idea he's quite unorthodox and at one point yeah. um carol says to him you know we, we're gonna stitch this guy up this guy comes in with a head lack he's got very long hair he's like she's like just shave the little bit around and i'll get somebody to suture when we come back we he's actually managed to get the guy to completely shave his head um because you know he raised that good at what he does that he's convinced <laughs> him that you know he could have a whole new life if he shaves his head 
I think um, the look on the guy's face suggests he may not entirely have known what he was agreeing to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, again, in uh, E-Ray's favour, Carol just said, shave him. Do you know what she I mean? Did. Yeah, she I did. thought she that too, she actually. specific. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then later, Carter's giving some bad news to a patient and he's asked E-Ray to kind of help and the patient cries and E-Ray bursts into tears and Carter's Hello. very shocked. But I was like, oh, he's one of those empaths, you know, he, mm. yeah. he's in a room and he's feeling what this guy's feeling. And I think it was probably supposed to be a comedic thing, but part of me was a bit like, I don't really want to laugh at a man who cries. But I, I know what you mean. I think the way, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, it's not, you know, you don't want to be laughing at somebody just because they show emotion. But I think the way that the scene was written, it, it, I, I did find it funny. You now I must good. say, I, I thought yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, I thought it was a good kind of a gag, um, because I suppose it remains to be seen if we see E Ray again. So if if we don't, then he was a, you know, he mm. was an interesting bloke this week. <laughs> and if we do, I mean, if he is that empathic that he certainly begins feeling what everybody else is feeling, it'll be very interesting when the next time he sees Loretta. and we've kind of alluded to it a little bit so i think let's 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 dive into carter how do we feel about that let's dive right in there sharon yeah let's do it um so carter is kind of you know he's he's kind he's um been what's the word punished by benton and he's not really being allowed to do kind of the interesting cases. We find out that he's been sent out of an interesting case to go and suture this guy's head up, the guy that E-Ray was looking after. And now he's got another person in and it's brilliant the way they've shot this scene because he's in the kind of the suture room, which is next to the trauma room. And so through the window, you can see this, somebody's come in, a very exciting case. There's, it's all going that little window and he's kind of just stuck with this guy who just needs like the tiniest little, and he's just trying to suture him and he keeps looking over. Um, but then it's a little bit, again, I thought this is something, this is where Weaver has proven to be right. She said, you know, sometimes it's the boring cases mm, that turn oh, out yeah. to be fascinating um, because, you know, it, it, you know, Carter realizes that, he, you know, he needs to biopsy this guy and never seen anyone so excited to see a mole. Honestly, <laughs> he was like, look at this mole. Let's talk about the mole. Um, so they biopsy the mole. Turns out the guy has, you know, he's showing cancer. So then he also gets to do a, a lymph node. There's a he finds a lymph node that's raised, so he gets to kind of help do another procedure on that. And 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 this is where we, we we've been talking about Carter, but he's very procedure head, headed at the moment. He's not thinking about mm-hmm. this guy at all. And actually, when E Ray is crying with with the guy, you know. Carter could use a little bit of that, could use that humanity. Yeah. Um, he kind of looks at him the way you would expect Benton to look at him. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And it's, it's all, it's all when I go, like, so that comes to the argument of, you know, should a surgeon be empathetic or should they be totally analytical? Because if you're going to spend your days wrist deep in somebody's guts, you need to be able to switch off and I suppose not look at that person as a yeah. person because it could affect your judgment. It could affect, you know, your skills at a really crucial moment. It's very but true. when do you switch that off? And I worry, because if you're do, still doing things like suturing and things like that, where you are one-on-one with a patient who's awake, 
I think you have to be able to switch back. So I worry sometimes yeah. that surgeons, like Benton has completely switched himself over to that other side, that he can't access that human side anymore. Mm. And that's, it needs to be both, I, I think. I think if you're doing a, a, something like a scalp, like like we saw last week with Harper and Carter, macking on each other's faces during scalp, you know, <laughs> you're actually, you're physically very close to somebody and that's potentially quite awkward. So yeah. I would, my instinct would be to have a bit of a chat. How's the weather? Because you know I'm British. We love the weather. Yeah. How, how do you do this? What What you got? What are you doing the rest of the weekend? You know, hairdressing, yeah. chat, kind yeah. of thing. I would be tempted to do that. To be honest. Any holidays this year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've chopped your arm. I'm oh, sorry. Even <laughs> chopping um, your arm off. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of chopping your arm off. No yeah. matter how much fun it seems at the time. <laughs> don't do it. Oh. Just don't. We, we get introduced via Carol and Harper to. The turkey list, I believe it's called. Yeah. Oh um, yes, yes, you're right. Which yeah. is great. So it's Carol showing Harper around. And it's so low tech. Can I just point that out? I love <laughs> how low tech it is. Sorry, carry on, Ed. It's all right. It's not on a three and a half inch floppy disk or anything. But um, it's it's we're using Harper in the place of Carter being our, the audience surrogate to learn about things that happen in the ER. Yeah. And there's the, the turkey file uh, because this old lady who. You know, it could look like anybody's grandma and complain uh, of a migraine. And they said, oh, have you tried different things? Try Imitrex. Oh, you know, it makes me sick. Whatever. Toradol. No, no. Oh, the other doctor was with D. D. Uh, what de- could it be? I think they're wrong. And she's still really sweet. Oh, I hope you never get a migraine half because, you know, it's terrible. And then they go in the, the file and basically she's... Was it an alcoholic, bipolar, and a junkie? Yeah. Um, well, what's funny is Harper's very like, oh, sweet lady, and Carol yeah. straight away is like, no, yeah. she's a junkie. And yeah. and we're kind of like you say, we're Harper going, what, that lovely old lady? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she shows her the file and says, no, look at look at this. You, you know, you, you get used to it. Carol's a little bit yeah, smug yeah. at this point. You get used to kind of picking these, these cases yeah. out. And then that actually bites her in the bum, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, Carol, <laughs> not so smug later on, yeah, are yeah, you? Yeah. Or they'll make you feel like a chump. And then later on, we get this this poor woman who's howling, you know, walks through the uh, through the door. She's absolutely howling, covered in blood. Funnily enough, called Carrie. And I thought that was an inappropriate name. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, nice. <laughs> but, um, and then it turns out her husband is in the car at the back and he had a drive-by and it, it took his arm off, which Ooh, is... Yeah. Wow. Awful, so, like, horrendous. Yeah. They look after her and it, yeah, it turns out not so good. Well, because she starts asking, look, the, the, this wife starts asking very odd questions and, and mentioning her insurance. And Carol's mm. having these odd conversations with her, but not really paying attention and, and, and trying to reassure and say, don't worry. You know, oh, look, we've managed to, to, to attach the arm back and the, the, the wife's a bit like, oh, really? And you're like, what's going on here? Why would you not be doing cartwheels to hear that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then later we hear, we hear Hathaway say, oh, my morphine's gone missing. I had some morphine and it's gone missing, which yeah. I have to say, this is like another week that something has been left out and a patient or somebody has managed to pick okay. it up. I'm not sure how I feel about, about the lax standards in this county, Jane, county oh, general. Especially yeah. morphine. Yeah. Carol, there's going to be repercussions for that. <laughs> oh no, I wonder what's going to happen here. Uh-huh. Carol? Can I see you in the big boss's office? <laughs> you left what and aware now? 
know. It's... Oh, yeah, obviously that with the wife of the the guy is, has has got it, and in her they find her in the the toilets. She's completely high and and has kind of collapsed. And she said she admits to Carol that they cut the arm off because they needed the insurance money, which again kind of you know shows the desperation that people have uh, mm. for, for for these things, but also is just mental like that is crazy to, to have to cut an arm off and and then they find out that they were in the turkey file and yeah, yeah. actually carol probably does have some more work to do with spotting these junkies mm. if she is in fact allowed to work again leaving <laughs> yeah. needles around the place yeah. also and this is just from my own pure ignorance now she says yeah. that it's five milligrams of morphine and i was i was honestly i was a bit shocked to go Wow, because that girl it looks like she is completely and utterly out of it on five. Yeah. But then again, sure, I, I, I don't know how to measure or how to quantify these things. Like five milligrams is obviously very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. and she's like, quite a small woman because I know you have to take people's weight and kind of build into yeah. account when you give something. So she's quite a skinny little waif. So she maybe that didn't help either. That being that much. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a lot to deal with for anybody, I think. I, if, but she's clearly a user, so I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, her lady gets some great lines, and she literally says, soon she finds out, she goes, Oh, lordy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. Love basically. Yeah. yeah. She, she has some great moments because she holds Carter, Carter, Ben's to task about the domestic violence. Yeah, she now. does. And it's, there's a, a really horrible, oh, we're going back to this, sorry. There's a really Do horrible it. scene where they're taking photographs of the poor woman who's yeah. basically catatonic. Um, and it's quite dehumanising. Helay's the only person who's going, you're right, sweetheart, and, and just trying yeah. to help. And I was like, oh, this is why we love Helay. I thought that scene was brilliant in the way that it really was so cold and so mm. mechanical. And that is exactly how it is when you're treating people. You know, if you think about people who get raped, you know, they have to have like a rape kit, which is very invasive yeah. and very clinical. And, it, you know, people come in, they're taking pictures and... It, and it's all very action, action, action. So having Hale there, you know, being that person on the side saying, are you okay? Really humanised it and really showed that contrast. And I thought that was a really, really great scene. Mm. Although I tough to watch. It was, it was tough. One of the great things as well, I think about Hale is that she is, and she said herself, she's a long-term, she's been with the ER for years and she still, she doesn't forget that people are people. Yeah, you know, and that is, I think, one of the the fantastic, things, particularly about the nurses. Um, yeah, the obviously doctors depends on the day, you know, and Benton being the best example of that, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's 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 lovely as well. But again, because let's let's bring the mood back up here. So Woo! Jerry finishes his shift. Yes, and we're sorry <laughs> to see him go. We but somebody else is even more sorry to see him go. I know. Randy asks if he's single. It's um, Randy after coming in and speaking of pyramid schemes, you know she's talking about it's time to invest in her clothing company. Which um, is basically a bikini. Yeah, did which you can uh, wear out and about with a scarf around your waist? Yeah, for you know, posh dinner. Because that's that's <laughs> yeah. how you dress in Chicago in the winter. <laughs> also, this is the second time she's asked about somebody. She asked about Raúl in an earlier episode. She uh, kind of says, "Oh, yeah. is he single?" Um, so she's obviously, it's funny because she has no time for Doug, but she does seem to be quite interested in finding herself yeah. somebody. Mm. So obviously yeah. doesn't like the handsome boys. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's oh, handsome, oh, so whoa, she's a big whoa. chap. 
He's we not classically ruggedly handsome. I knew that was coming. I, I wish I'd filmed that moment. <laughs> it was so funny. You two are both like, yeah, then you both went. <gasps> Leave Jerry. I love Jerry. I love and Jerry. And Raul's great too. I know Carol does this weird thing where they, like in America, they shorten Jerry to Jer, and it just Jer. doesn't work. But they do it. I've heard it loads of times. Yeah, Why Jer. Don't Jer. Jer. Yeah, they do it in Parks and Rec. I'm going to bring Susan in because we haven't spoken about Susan, and this is a big episode for Susan. Mm. Um, you know, she's been left with little Susie. She, at the end of the last ep- you know, episode, we saw her considering adoption. So when we first see, hear about Susan, we know she's taken a personal day. We hear uh, Jerry or somebody says to, to Dr. Green, you know, she's got a personal day. Um, and then we see her in the lawyer's office. She's talking to the lawyer about, about you know, adoption. And we meet the pair, you know, we meet the parents in that way. These the adoptive parents who just seem very normal and nice and yeah. and very loving. And but it, you know, I think what's great about this is that doesn't make it easier. You know, you, the whole episode we see Susan really struggling with this with yeah. this dilemma and trying her best to see if she can. Is there any way she can make it work so she can keep little Susie? And it doesn't matter how nice this this couple are and there's a moment where we see her drive up to their house and the house is very beautiful in a very quiet neighborhood and you see the mom outside playing with the with the little boy that they've already adopted and it's all very loving and very uh, obviously they've got money and and little Susie will be brought up well there but again you know that doesn't make it any easier can I just say though about that scene nobody noticed this blue Volkswagen Beetle sitting there with a woman and a baby staring out the window. I'm going to put that out there. Naive times. <laughs> I, must say, I must say, for some reason in my head, the blue, going back to the blue Volkswagen Beetle, it just suits Susie, Susan so well. I don't know oh, why. It does, yeah. It no, just, I think it, the same. it makes sense and it's so silly. Yeah. But it it's just, like I just that's love her car. car. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I do, yeah. It, it, you're right. It absolutely does. Just like, Yes, that's what Susan would drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, but small random point. Like Su- Susan has kind of a, a hell of a. She is definitely the B plot of this episode, but a lot goes on because we've met Cookie before. Yes, um, we have. But I think this is the first time we meet her dad. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. It's it, it's the first time, and he's a bit. He becomes a recurring character, so mm. he's the new. Henry, is that what he's called? Henry? Oh, I think you're right. He is, I I know who he's played by, and actually I have a, everybody's been in ER. Yes, I do too. I know exactly who he is. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm probably referring to something completely different, but I assume you, you never know, but I assume. You never know. Yes, we we, we go over to, sorry, just before we go over to the house, there's a moment where she's sitting at, but on a fountain and she's talking to little Susie and she's saying, mm. you know, they seem like lovely people. That fountain is the fountain that they used to film the beginning of Friends. Just putting that out there. No way. So yeah. why does it look like it's in a crack den? I don't know. That's probably how they dressed it for the scene. <laughs> yeah, so really? That, that's bonkers. Because Friends was shot in Los Angeles, but obviously exterior shots in New York. Yeah. And exterior shots here are Chicago. Well, I think some exterior shots were still Los Angeles. Um, and I think it, it, so everybody's always talking about in Friends, which, which fountain they used in New York. And apparently it wasn't in New York at all. It was in Los Angeles. They wow. filmed it. Yeah. 
that's some awesome stuff. Some trivia, but yeah, let, let's go over to Lewis's parents' house. Yes, and there is a, a kind of a, a cute moment where she knocks on the door and for some reason, Cookie's taking her time. Um, yeah. And just like, okay, yes, you know I'm here with the baby. And she yeah. reefs the door open and excited grandmother is there with a video camera. <laughs> I know. Which cost a bomb because it's 1995. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the little effect they put on it so that we're seeing through that video yeah. camera. So you've got, yeah. this, you know, Susan being like looking at the camera and you've got the little date in the corner and all that stuff. And she's like, come on, mom, you know, get that out of my face. But it just shows you everything you need to know about Cookie, doesn't it? Because she's yeah. there going, I need help with little Susie and I might have to give up for her adoption. And her mom is like, I'm going to buy a camera because the little Susie's right. little. And it's like... It's Cookie's idea of being a good grandma is that she records everything on video camera. I'm like... Maybe just be there for your yeah. daughter and granddaughter mm. instead, yeah. and not just record everything. Yeah. She's just she's a messy cookie. And this yeah. this is Lewis trying really hard to to again patch something together so that she can keep yeah. little Susie. And she turns to her you know her parents and say, "Can you help?" And we and we finally meet you know Henry Lewis, and he's in his bark lounger as we've as we've been told. And actually, he seemed a lot friendlier than I was expecting. I was expecting yeah. a quite a grump but he was quite loving towards... Yeah, he's like, yeah, we can do it. But then, and... Yeah. Of the Cookie. two of them, you're right. Yeah, he's yeah. the one who kind of says, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he doesn't lap up and down with excitement, but no. he's still more, much more on board than, say, Cookie is. Because Cookie straight away was like, oh, well, you know, by us looking after, I assume you mean me. And you're like... Yeah. And I think that's where the problem is, isn't it? That's... That's what happens sometimes. I think people, so, you know, we'll both do it. Yeah, let's do it. He'll he'll say, yeah, it'd be no trouble. But actually, he's not the one doing it. So, I did kind of get what Cookie was doing, but I did. I felt so bad for Susan because she's because mm. they're both a bit like, well, we need to find a way to keep her. Well, she's giving you an idea, and you're not you're not supporting away. her yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, she can't just do it by herself. You can't wash your hands of her and then judge her for her choices. Yes, I it is not a great it. moment. Good. I'm glad you did because Cookie just she says, "Well, what what?" Um, Julie says, "There must be something you can do to Susan when she mentions about, about putting little Susie up for adoption." Well, yeah, I'm asking you for help. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, and you're saying no, so you kind of can't complain when I when I put her up. But um, we get that sense. We really get to see this couple, this, these parents. You get an idea of what you know Susan and Chloe grew up in and grew up around. Yeah. Their, so you get you know, their mother figure is certainly not stable in the way that you would hope for a stable mother, and their father figure is a chair. So, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. it's obviously not idea. And there's also there was it was only a, a throwaway line, but you know, oh, she's she's not your child, yeah, but Chloe's never coming back, and nobody addresses it. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah you think Good that point. would be quite a a thing, but it's yeah, just, yeah you're right. That, oh, it's just accepted, isn't it? Yeah, she's just a screw-up. That's what happens. Susan mm. will pick up. She always has to pick up. She has to be the parent. And there's this lovely scene, actually, with Green and, and Susan, where Susan comes into to the ER and she says, is there anything you can do? Can I, can I do my residency part-time, please? You know. And again, this is her trying to patch together some kind of way to, to make it work. So all the way through, we're seeing these moments with Susan where she's really trying to find a way to keep her and nothing is working. Yeah. Um and then, then there's this really beautiful scene, the way it ends. And I love this scene at the end. Two things about it. Number one, 
um, is a brilliant contrast between the you know the beautiful street that little Susie could be adopted to compared to where this kind of broken down park weird locked thing that she we find Susan in it feels yeah, so really grim weird. it's like please <laughs> please give her up for adoption <laughs> where is she why Hello. why does Hello. everywhere she go look like a crack den it's just yeah. it's just mad after then, a while you have to start asking what's the common denominator here it's like, <laughs> Susan we, keep, we seem to keep finding you in crack dens yeah you know, she's it, a very high functioning drug addict <laughs> very yeah she's only a doctor so she gets ready access to Demerol yeah and morphine maybe stuff. yeah she gets the, the primo good stuff not cut with other crap actual pure Demerol oh maybe she's a dealer and that's how she's <gasps> going to pay to raise Ooh, Susie best head, way head cannon and that's why she was there because she right. that's where she was dealing from because who would suspect a woman and a baby in a park um but green finds her and again what's really nice is it, it mirrors the beginning where green is with one of his best friends and at the, it ends with him being with the other friend because yeah. these are his two big kind of friendship and relationships in the mm. show and they're talking away and then susan says i'm, I'm gonna keep her and the smile on susan's face yeah. is just brilliant it's a nice scene because you see their bonds regrowing. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? And she said, I'm not going to get parenting advice from you or something like that. It's yeah. just it's like, oh, they're back. I was relieved that they were back on track almost. They are, a, they are one of certainly my favourite friendships in the whole of yes. ER. Same. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we have that wonderful ending where she kind of hands the baby over to Mark mm. while she swings because she's, for her, she's made the right decision at that moment and she knows it's going to be tough and she doesn't have the answers. Like she doesn't know if she can do it part-time. She knows her parents can't help, but she can't, she just can't give her up. And I just, and I think that swing really shows that. I think it's a yeah. real, I'm free. I've made this brilliant decision and it's mm. just a beautiful ending. Definitely. Should we talk about uh, Paul Dooley? Yeah. Uh, Henry, I know you can sense it's like, we want to talk about him. <laughs> So I know Paul Dooley as being basically, you know, the leader of the Gestapo in <laughs> Star Trek, in Abram yeah, yeah. uh, in Tain from Star Trek yeah. Deep Space Nine. Uh, Great and he's so good in this. Yeah, he's so yeah, just, yeah. yes, Machiavellian. The reptilian, isn't he? He's so cold. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's so warm and happy in this one. It's like, that's the same guy. What? This is why you have to watch Sixteen Candles because in Sixteen Candles he plays the dad and he's oh. very loving and warm and has a really nice oh, relationship really? with Molly Ringwald, who's his daughter. Everybody forgets her birthday, but he's very loving and great oh. towards her. So that's how I know him. So yeah, okay. Henry well, Lewis, good. Paul Dooley. I have have another one, which is E Ray. He's played by Charles Nolan, who you may know for things like Wayne's World, The West Wing, Old School Blow. Um, so yeah, that's another one. Yeah, I I picked up on that one. Um, Paul Dooley's he was a voice on the original Sesame Street, and oh, he created uh, created this kid show called The Electric Company, which you've probably heard of. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, he created and wrote it because he's been all sorts. He's he's a bit like E Ray. He's been a comedian, a clown, a writer, an actor. Oh, he just amazing. sounds really awesome. I want to be like on him to adopt me. <laughs> <laughs> But he's, he's one of these actors that, that ER holds on to for years. Yeah. He's in yes. it until Lewis leaves, basically. Yeah. On and off. Spoiler. And it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, that she leaves. Yeah, she leaves loads of times. But, yeah, um, that's true, yeah. You never believe it when she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys want to do drugs really quickly? Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't? So I was going to just have a quick blow down about atropine, which we hear a lot, actually. I thought we'd already done it. 
but it's um it's a treat it's used to treat certain types of nerve agent and pesticide poisonings but also some types of slow heart rates so when you hear about it in a trauma um it's to slow down no i've got that wrong uh yeah so it's used to speed up heartbeat so where someone's got bradycardia which is a heart rate of less than 60 beats per minute um it was previously used in uh, international resuscitation guidelines but apparently it just wasn't that good but they carried on using it for ages as you do yeah yeah so for symptomatic bradycardia the usual dosage is uh, one mig one mig push which you might hear but um they can only use it so many times you might hear how many times have you, how many times have you pushed and they're on about uh, atropine but apparently oh. it's just not used that much um but yeah it can it can be used to treat loads of different types of poisoning as well including sarin which is a bad one obviously wow. yes yeah, so that's atropine it's a bit of a yeah interesting one very interesting it's interesting as well how, how it's not used you know like the time is yeah moves um, on and we use we find better things i like it it's like a, it's like a time capsule of ineffective medicine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if you're making notes at home and hope to be a doctor don't use this episode yeah there's yes. source I think so. And I think now that, now that we've given that advice, and this is a good point. So we are calling it. Thanks for listening to our podcast about everything ER. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at you set the tone pod on Insta and at set underscore pod on Twitter. And remember, you set the tone. <laughs>